0: faithfulness. If you haven't heard the series, you can uh, find it on our YouTube playlist, on our YouTube channel, um, uh, on our podcast, on all, all those uh, awesome technological ways that you can listen to the Word or watch it. And I encourage you to because um, this is a nine, probably will be eight part series on the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it's evidence, you know, it's evidence that you are saved. Evidence that you're a believer. Evidence that you're a follower of Jesus. And uh, I heard somebody say this. You probably heard it before. It says, if, if you were in, in a courtroom in front of a jury, would there be enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? Would there be enough evidence in your life just by looking at your life and, and, and the experiences of people around you to say, no, he's definitely a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. You know, um, the disciples were followers of Jesus uh, to the point that Peter had to fabricate some false evidence because they identified him as one of Jesus' disciples, right? That happened at the uh, when Jesus was arrested and this girl comes out and like, Hey, you're one of them. You talk like them. He's like, No effing way. Blee, 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 blah, 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 you know. and He had to make stuff up because... He, they saw him and they're like, "Hey, you're one of those." He's like, "Oh no, she had to." So you know, I believe some Christians today are the other way. Don't you go to that church? Oh yeah, blessed be the Lord. But you were like, we got a phone call the other day. We were in the car and uh, just just a random phone call. Uh, somebody calling. Uh, so, somebody contacted me about something, and they said, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a minister, and I, uh, you know, I just." happen to be interested in 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 this program or that program and um and we're talking to them my son's in the car so they're on speakerphone and all of a sudden conversation went somewhere and they go oh yeah and they say the d word and my son in the back seat he goes oh, they're a minister i'm like son i said i don't know what they're ministering but um but yeah that was that was That was a fake try, right? And so what does our life taste like, you know? And and so the fruit of the Spirit, it's a fruit because it's supposed to taste like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're supposed to taste that way, you know, because the Spirit of God is inside of us. And so I started part one by saying it's not hard to uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit, just like it's not hard for a tree, an apple tree to produce apples. It's not hard. If you cultivate the soil, if you water it, then it just produces the fruit, right? In the same way, we're not worried about producing, oh my gosh, I have to be loving, kind, gentle, faithful, I have to be all these things. and I... No, because that, that's works. It's supposed to be easy produced. So all you have to worry about, or not worry, all you have to uh, do is cultivate your soil, which is the soil of your heart and your relationship with the Lord, and then walking in the Spirit, and so you produce the fruit of the spirit when you're walking in the spirit. You know in Galatians chapter five verse sixteen, I believe it says, "Do not," um, says, "Walk in the spirit, so that you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh." And let me tell you, the lust of the flesh isn't just sexual perversion. The lust of the flesh is whenever you're. Walking out of the Spirit, you're walking in the flesh and now you're in, you're in pride and you're in anger and you're in bitterness and you're in selfishness and you're in all these all these things that are producing bad things in your life because you stopped walking in the Spirit, now you're walking in the flesh. And you know, a lot of times we think like, oh well, it's because I am, uh, you know, it's the dead man that just, it's the dead man, you know, that comes up in me. Let me tell you, the dead man is dead. <laughs> <Where> is <it? laughs> the dead man... The old dead man that died when you accepted Jesus in your heart, you died, you were crucified with Christ, you rose to new life with Jesus as a new creation, okay? The dead man is dead. It's not alive. You're not bipolar. There's not, not the you know, Jekyll and Hyde. There's, There's none of that going on in your life. It, it, the dead man is dead and the old habits that you learned under the dead man are the ones that need to be need to experience transformation through the renewing of your mind. Do you hear what I said? Those are just bad habits that need to be renewed they need to be taken out they need to be transformed and that hap- that's in the soulish realm but the dead man is dead. You're not trying to kill him no he died with Christ. Are you with me? And so why you struggle is because you go from walking in the spirit to walking in the flesh. And so all we got to do is start continue renewing our mind, remembering I am not the bad behavior. I am better than that. You know, I am not those things. That's the dead man old habits that I am... Weeding out, I'm being perfected in Christ, day after day, as I walk with Him, I become more like Him. So that means you remain more time in the Spirit, in chair number one, for those of you that were here for that teaching, than in chair number two, which is the walk of the flesh, okay? And so today, you know, we're talking about faithfulness, and uh, and I'm going to break it down, how. I've broken down the rest of them, because I think sometimes we think God is asking us to do these things, when in fact, we're just, all we doing when we're, we're producing the fruit of the Spirit is we're just acting like ourselves. Because you are those things. Those things are inside of you. It's the Spirit of God that produces those things. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the Spirit of God that's inside of you that produces these things. It's not a foreign thing. It's not something you have to work real hard to to become. No, it's already in you. Because it's God in you. It's His Spirit. It's Him. And you and Him have been united to the point where you can't tell the difference where you start and where He ends. That's in the Spirit. Um, And so... The first part we'll talk about is God's faithfulness because He is all these things that He asks us to produce, right? The fruit of the Spirit is everything that God already is. So God is love. God is patient. God is kind. God is gentle. God is faithful. In uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. That's part of who He is. It's His character. He is faithful. Psalm 36 verse 5 says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. God is faithful. Now, the word faithful comes from the uh, the Greek word pistis, which is the word for faith. And the word for faith, uh, Pisces, means um, conviction of truth. That's the first meaning. And the second meaning is fidelity, faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on, one who keeps his promises. So that's why God is faithful, right? But it comes from the word faith, to be fully convinced, to be fully... um, uh, uh, convicted of truth, and and so that means to be full of faith. Faithful, and so God is faithful to us. See, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. God is faithful, or can be trusted, to keep his promise. God is faithful to keep his promise. He is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise, but how many of us have said many times through our life, or even sing songs about the faithfulness of God. All my life you have been faithful, right? And we sing about his faithfulness all the time. We say God is so faithful. And then you go ahead and you read the story of the prodigal son, and you go, yeah, that's me, you know. I am that prodigal son. I came back to him, and he was just waiting for me with arms wide open. He is so Faithful. faithful. But if being faithful is being convicted of truth and fully convinced, what is God convinced of if he's being faithful to us? Right? Like what does he believe? And, 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 and I want to give you this example because let's just say that um, let's just say that you build a car. Okay? Any car people in here? Sorry, ladies, um, Amy. Man, do I have to pick a different example? Just not many car people here? Okay. You drive one. Yeah. I know. I'll change the tire. Well. We're still gonna use that. Okay. So just pretend that you built this car and that you're an excellent car builder. You know what's under the hood, all right? You know what's under the hood? You trust it cuz you took your time with this thing. It's perfect, okay? It's it's not like it's not like when I built the hover cart, okay? It's like this is really good. It's an amazing car. It's a million mile engine like you just you know what you put under there. You know the materials that you chose for everything, okay? And and because of that, you rely on this car. You're like, it's your go-to car for any any road trip, for anything. You know, you would let your grandmother and your f- child drive this car. Your, your spouse drive this car, crush country. You have no problems with this car because you know what you put inside of it. And you know that it's never going to let you down. Because you built it. Because you, you know, you, anybody comes and asks you about the reliability of this car, you're like, 100%. Not a doubt, not a question. Even if you were, tr- you were going to sell the car, you know they're like, hey, is this car ever going to have any problem?" No, no, this car will be just perfectly reliable for you because I know what I put inside of it, right? And, and if you needed to pick a car out of your collection to drive somewhere, you would go to that one because you know you know what you put inside of it. And see, God built each one of us. If, if, if that car was built by someone else, and you bought it used, and it was making some noises, right? You wouldn't fully trust in that car. You wouldn't fully rely on that car. You wouldn't, until you tested it and drove it a lot and maybe did some work to it, you wouldn't let your, your wife or your kid drive that car because you're not sure about that car. So you're not fully convinced about that car, you know, because you you, you don't know what's under the hood. See? But the one you built, you're fully convinced about it. There's no question about it. This is why God is faithful to us. Because He made us. He built us. He knows what's inside of you. And that's why He is always faithful and never leaves you and always believes the best in you. Because He knows what's in there. That's why... He'll receive you with arms wide open, even if you come back from making a mess like the prodigal son did. Because he knows that what's inside there is better than the actions and the mistakes that he made. I was thinking about it like, what is, why is God faithful to us? Oh, duh. He made us. He knows, he knows how we're made. He knows that everything that you need for your calling, for what he created you to do, is already inside of you. Because he put it in there. He has no question about it. He's fully invested and fully convinced in his creation. That's why he's always faithful to you. You understand what I mean? You're not like, well, I guess I could cut him loose. Not really sure who built him. You know, don't know if he could really handle this road trip. No. God knows what he put inside of you. For your road trip of life. That's why he's so faithful to us. And because God is faithful to us. Then he put his spirit inside of us. So that we can produce the same fruit of faithfulness. He's fully convinced of what's inside of you. And now he wants us to also be fully convinced of his word. Of his promises. And also learn what he calls faithfulness. Are you with me? And so God believes in you. I know if I would have heard this like 20 years ago, I would have been like, well, I mean, I don't know. I believe in God, but Him believing in me, I'm like just human. You know, because I didn't think much of myself, but then I understood this. He created me. He made me. You know, the Bible says in Psalms that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> because He made me. He made you. You're not. There's nothing uniquely wrong with you. You know, we learned that from Steve Backlund. So many people think there's something uniquely wrong with them. It's just nobody else has something wrong like I do. That's a lie. That's a lie. Just like you laughed right now, you should laugh about that every time. There's nothing uniquely wrong about you. (laughs) Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. This is another one of the fruit of the Spirit characteristics that is also... um, coincides with love. It says love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love never loses faith. See, God is love, and so that's why God is also faithful, because it's also a description of love. It never loses faith. You know, I want to suggest to you that when we lose faith on something is when it starts becoming a drag. It's when we start getting burned out. How many of you have ever been involved in a multi-level marketing company? Nothing wrong with them. There's some great ones out there, you know. But here's what happens. You were first fully convinced about the product. And you were faithful to it. You were faithful. You were consistent. You were you could be relied upon. You were working the company, working the business. You were telling people about it, right? Because you were fully convinced about it. But then kind of something made you lose faith about it or something negative or something happened and and you start losing faith. So you're no longer fully convinced about it. So what goes next is the faithfulness. What happens when someone stops being fully convinced about their marriage? That's why unfaithfulness happens. Because someone is no longer fully convinced. I think I married the wrong one. I think it's just, I don't know, things have changed. We've fallen out of love. This and that. Why does somebody stop investing in their company or building something? Because they've lost conviction of the vision. If you lose faith in your marriage, you're not fully convinced anymore. Then you stop being faithful. You stop being consistent. See, what we see as faithfulness is, is actually supposed to just be a fruit of being fully convinced. In other words, when you're fully convinced, you experience what we call, oh, he's so faithful, which is the consistency. But a lot of times we value the consistency And we just like, we have to be consistent and there's no more faith anymore. And we need to get back. You know, if it's marriage, you need to remember God is a supporter of your marriage. God is behind your marriage. He believes in your marriage. And you have what it takes to be the best spouse. And your spouse has what it takes to be the best spouse. And you have to regain that faith again. If it's your job, when you lose, you know, the vision of, of the job, then it's just a, just a job. You're no longer convinced that what you're doing is good and it's helping people and it's... So there's no more passion behind it. It's just a drag. Well, guess what? That can happen with church too. Because when you lose faith and you get disconnected from Him, but you have to be faithful... You have to be consistent. Then you start burning out and it just becomes a drag. You know, it's just something that you just have to do now and you're no longer fully convinced. Therefore, you're just like, and that is called religion. There's no faith behind it. Steve Backlund says, it's better to make a wrong choice full of faith than the right choice with no faith. I'm not telling you to go a bit, you know, like, "Ah, I'm going to go get drunk. I'm fully convinced. No, don't do that. You know, you know, that's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes, you know, we're so hesitant, you know, and then we just need to put faith. Like, what do I, what am I fully convinced of? And then do that. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying, Okay. And so we don't want it to we don't want our relationship with God to turn into religious duty, right? And so if that ever happens, you just need to get back with the Lord and recommit your life to Him and, and realize, man, you something caused you to lose your faith. And therefore, you were either just being religious, doing it because you had to, or you just stopped doing it. You just stopped going to church. You just stopped serving. You just stopped, you know. Having a relationship with the Lord because you're no longer fully convinced. And you can't be fully convinced if you're not connected with the one, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. That's why we're so big on building a place where people encounter God. Because you need to be able to have a personal relationship with Him. That fuels everything that you do so that it doesn't become religious duty. Are you with me? Uh, let's go to Luke chapter uh, 16. Are you getting something out of this? Yes. Let's be fully convinced. Let's be fully convinced. Hmm. And we're going to uh, read from verse 10 to verse 13. It says, um, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, money, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I, I mean, aren't you curious to know what are the true riches of heaven? I mean, most people would consider, you know, money is like the highest value of things, right? And right here saying like, if you're faithful with, you know, the money thing, then you will be trusted with the true riches of heaven. It says, and if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You know, and and, uh, this is another part of faithfulness. You know, when we are Good stewards and consistent with the things that are in front of us, God's response is always upgrade. God's response is more. It's like you can handle what I've given you and you're doing it with excellence, and you're being you're doing the best you can with what, what you have in front of you, so therefore I am going to promote you. I'm going to give you true riches. What are true riches? You know, true riches are really the nations, the heart of people. The influence over, over others, right? The dark side of that, you know, what, what people that don't have the Lord pursue is control over people, right? But to those of us who are faithful in little things and God can trust with the really important things, which is the heart of men and the influence of people and nations, right? It's influence of heaven's realm into earth, bringing heaven to earth. You know, saying, okay, if you, if you can be faithful with what I put in front of you then I'm going to make you, I can count on you. I know that you're fully convinced about how my kingdom works. I know you're fully invested in my kingdom because you, because you can tithe, because you can give 10% of the less valuable thing that I consider money. Uh-oh. Oh, he's going to talk about money? Well, when you're fully convinced about something, you put your money where your mouth is, right? I mean, even these multi-level marketing plans that we've all been to, we had, we had to have a what? A buy-in, right? Because it meant that you're fully convinced. And God is saying, if you're fully convinced about my kingdom, let's start with the least of the least. It's called money. And if you can be, you know, if you can operate according to my principles, then there's much more that I want to trust you with. But this is the least of the least of the least. It's dollars. I want to trust you with influence over nations, with the hearts of people, with callings, with giftings, with anointings, with with, with the dreams and the desires that I put in, in inside of you. But we can't move forward if you can't graduate from level one. Because to God, money is nothing. It's just a tool. This is a resource. And he has unlimited amount of them. Man, you guys are getting so quiet. <laughs> and money does reveal the heart. Which is why some of you are so quiet right now. Because maybe you're thinking, I guess I'm not fully convinced. But that's why you came to church today. Amen. To receive the word of God, truth, and the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to do. See? See, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know that area of your life. But you just gave it away with, you don't have a poker face. You're just like... All right, let's move on. <laughs> Matthew chapter twenty-five. We're gonna we're gonna read uh, we're gonna read quite a few verses. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter twenty-five. Man, I heard somebody say, you know, it was so nice to hear hundreds and hundreds of Bible pages turning, you know, back in the day. And if you have an electronic Bible, I think they should do the sound, the little sound like shh, 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 shh. that. That is pretty nice. Matthew chapter twenty-five. We're going to start uh, verse fourteen. Uh, verse fourteen. Are you good? Everybody okay here? All right, all right. We're done with the money part. Okay. You can breathe. <laughs> I had so many things I could say about that. Just, just listen to uh, other stuff online about finances. We have a lot of a lot of teaching about that. God wants to bless you in that area. Um, and he wants us to have money, but he doesn't want money to have us. It says, verse 14, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Uh, some translations uh, refers to it as talents. okay? It says, He gave five bags of silver, or five talents, to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Okay, five, two, one. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on this on his strip. Okay, so first of all, God has given each of us talents, callings, skills, desires in our heart, okay, that are in proportion to our calling. Okay. And so you know you might think, well, how come I can't sing like Caden? Well, because you have a different calling. You know, so Lord didn't put that tool in your belt, but you have other ones. That's why comparing ourselves to other people never leads to any kind of joy or satisfaction, but only to depression because our calling and our, um, our, our giftings are, are connected. See what, what God has put inside of us. The desire is the, the calling, the destiny and our purpose is all connected with the skills that he's put inside of us. And so That's why we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to each other. So anyways, he gives to each one according to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Okay, The servant who received the five bags began to invest the money and earned five more. So he doubled it. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. So he also doubled it, multiplied. Right? But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now I want to remind you... That he's, It says here that he gave to each in proportion to their abilities. Remember that? He gave to each of them in proportion to their abilities. So he knew their abilities. He knew what was inside of them. He trusted them. And then it says, verse 19, After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was f- full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Say with me, good and faithful. Amen. Okay? It says, you've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Remember what we just read? He was able to handle the... M- the the financial part and now he was promoted he was upgraded with more responsibilities with more influence with greater things with what we just read are referred to as the true riches of heaven are you with me yeah. okay and then it says uh verse 20, uh, 20 21 at the end it says so now let's give you many more responsibilities. let's celebrate together Verse 22 says, The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my, say with me, good and faithful. Okay? Good and faithful again, servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Again, upgrade. Again, going from the small thing to, to now greater responsibility. He didn't just say more money. He didn't just say more talents, more bags of silver. He said more responsibilities, which is referring to what? The greater riches of heaven, the true riches of heaven. Verse 24 says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were harsh, a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. First of all, I'm going to pause right here. This was his perception of that master. That didn't mean the master was harsh or evil it just means that's his perception and his perception caused them to what said I was afraid and what fear does is fear paralyzes says that I was afraid I would lose your money so I hid it in the earth look here here's your money back okay so he hid it on the ground he paralyzed because there was fear because he had a wrong perception of the master and a lot of people have a wrong perception of God that is paralyzing them and preventing them to do the things that God has called them to do and has put in their heart because they're afraid to make a mistake because they have a wrong perception of God. And he says, look, here's your money back. Now, I want to remind you that this guy also was given according to his abilities. So when the master gave him the one bag of silver, he believed he could also multiply it and have two bags of silver silver at the end. Right? Because the master knew what was inside of him. It says, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then, you know, it says, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Now, I got to be honest with you. When, when I first read this story as a teenager, I, I was like, I was like so confused. I'm like, That's unfair. Why is it away? The poor guy only has one bag. I didn't understand. And you might not understand yet, but you'll understand in just a moment here. I didn't understand that that guy had the ability to also double it or multiply it, okay? But see, God has given all of us talents. He's put something in our hands. He's put something in front of us. And he is faithful to us because... He is fully convinced that we have what it takes to multiply it. And you're thinking like, you know, why, why the multiplication? Why, why, why is he so adamant about making more? I mean, the guy didn't lose it. He kept it there. And so I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 1. And before we read that, see, we call faithful to the fruit of consistency. Sorry, I shouldn't have told you about Genesis yet. Listen to this. We call faithful to the fruit of what actually faithful is. Being faithful is fully convinced, and it looks like consistency, right? When someone is fully convinced they want to serve the Lord, they come in here, and every Sunday, you know, they'll do something, or they'll serve God. Or, you know, we see that, and we would say, that is so faithful. They never miss. We can count and rely on them. Are you with me? Someone shows up to work every day. That is so faithful. They're always there. So we call faithful to keeping what was given to us and keeping it in the same condition. God just called that wicked and lazy. I want to suggest to you that we've lowered the bar of the Bible standpoint. So we're now happy. With just the bare minimum. Have you ever heard of quiet quitting? I didn't know about this. A few months ago. Some friends told us. Yeah you know our son told us like. Um, there's this trend of. People in the workforce. That they do quiet quitting. And, and they just. And I'm like, what is that? He said, well, they'll just show up and do the very bare, 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 bare minimum to not get fired until they get fired. I'm like, what? It's crazy. Because we've lowered the bar so much that we just say, oh, he's so faithful. He shows up. He has a heartbeat. <laughs> we get bothered by the flaky no-shows. Which is so wrong that now just showing up and hiding the bag in the ground and pulling it out when somebody asks you, How's it going? It's like still there. And we're happy with that. But God just called this wicked and lazy. And what He actually calls faithful and good is the multipliers. (laughs) Hello? The multipliers. I want to be a multiplier. Are you a multiplier? Or are you a hole digger? Not gold digger. I said hole digger. Okay. Which, And that convicted me. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, am I a multiplier? God likes the multipliers. But I'm like, this raises the standard. This raises the bar from just like, show up, do the same thing to like, this is different. This is not just return it in the same condition. This is return it better, multiplied, grown. What has God put in your hands that you're multiplying and that you're growing and that you're making better? Hello. Because when you do that, He adds to that. He multiplies more. He gives you the true riches of heaven. And you're like, why? Genesis 1, 28. He said it from the very, very, very beginning. You ready for this? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It's talking about men. And he said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Govern over it. It's in the very beginning. He said it to the first set of humans that he ever created, and he put it inside of them. He put the command of multiplication and increase in each and every one of us since the beginning of creation. It's inside of us. It's a voice that continues to speak and says, I put this ability inside of you. How dare you give me back the same thing I gave you? Wicked and lazy. And now he said in a parable because, you know, he didn't want to say so roughly to their faces, you know, but, but he told them like, hey... Since the very beginning, you created with the ability to multiply and to increase. This is not okay. Listen, the Bible tells us in Romans that to those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. So this isn't for any of us to feel condemned and beat up right now. Oh, what I've done, I wasted all my life. No, this is for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to call us up to a level and an ability that we already have inside of us that maybe we didn't know before. And now you know. And this is to empower you, not to condemn you. Are you with me? It's inside of you already. Be fruitful, always producing. Multiply, always increasing. Fill the earth, always filling and refilling. Seed time harvest. And subdue the earth. Govern it. Control your environment or your environment will control you. Hmm. See, it wasn't just about having kids. Be fruitful. I mean, that part of it too, you know. But, But it was not just about that. It's like the Lord has put things in you and has given things to your care. Even the job that you have. And are you making it better? Are you multiplying? See, I want to surround myself with multipliers. I want to spend the most amount of time and resources with the multipliers. Why? Because they're multiplying. That's how we can actually spread the gospel with multipliers. If there's no multipliers, then it's just what I, it's limited to the amount of people that I can reach and I can talk to. That's it. What has God put in your hands, and what are you multiplying? Hmm. Good and faithful servant. Did that just take on a whole new meaning for you, as it did for me? You know, I believe that um, us, Vita Church, you know, we have we have been faithful. We've been fully convinced of what God called us to do, which is to build a place. For Not a religious place, not a religious institution, but a place where people encounter God, learn to have a relationship with Him personally. Not where they're perfect, but where they belong to a family, something bigger than themselves, and where they're transformed. And I believe that we're fully convinced about this, and that we're multipliers. And that in our good stewardship, the Lord caused something so easy to happen as to just say, Okay, I'm going to increase your capacity. I'm going to increase your reach. And now we have this property. But you're part of it. You're called to be a multiplier. We're not called to just come and sit once a week and then act like it, nothing happened. We're called to come get equipped. You know, that, that's, that's the whole, the fivefold ministry, God established it to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is not inside the building. This is just a couple days a week. It's outside during our life. Is our life tasteful enough? Is our life salty enough to make other people thirsty to come drink of Him? Are we being faithful with what we have now? With the influence that we have right now? Are are we causing those around us to want more of God? To want to know more about Him? Because sometimes we think When this happens, when I'm the boss, when I have my own business, when, you know, when I'm promoted, when I get to meet more people. And it's like, that's never going to happen because you already have a place, a people and an influence wherever you're at in your life. And God's saying, just start with what's already in front of you, whether it's one, three, five, two talents, whatever it is. Are you as excited as I am? Because it's already inside. If God believes in you, you need to start believing in you. He knows what he put under the hood better than you. You have what it takes. That's why he's faithful because he's fully invested in you and he's fully convinced that you can do what he called you to do alongside with him, right? Hand in hand. He's like, I, you're my investment, and, and I don't have another one of you. See, when you have multiple of the same thing, they lose value. So if you lose one, no big deal. You have another one, right? That's why God is so faithful with you. That's why God is fully invested in you, because there's not another one of you.